Hello, welcome to our Sneeze Podcast, episode number 38, uh, June the 6th, 2010. Let's get started. Uh, we said we'd hope to do a podcast the uh, week after the last one, but uh, that was a silly thing to say. <laughs> uh, news doesn't move quickly enough, and uh, we didn't really have anything we wanted to discuss, so we're going to, uh, again, see what we can put out of a show this week. Uh, thankfully, I'm joined by uh, our regular, who wasn't here last week, it's Tom Howarder. Hello. Hello, and uh, and uh, Tess, who's coming, a bit of a regular, who's gladly donated her time to us. <laughs> Hello. Good to have you here. Righty, oh, let's make a start. I think the easiest thing to discuss is going to be the big inevitable uh, Apple's uh, WWDC uh, conference is tomorrow. Um, they'll be announcing a load of stuff which we couldn't really be interested in, uh, <laughs> but it's got <laughs> well, wider implications on the the market as a whole. Well, it's going to be interesting because the uh, the whole uh, thing, the whole uh, keynote speech, is right um, during the penultimate debate for our election. We have elections, like big general elections, coming Wednesday, and there are two more debates tomorrow evening and uh, uh, Tuesday evening. And the whole keynote thing is right in the middle of one. So I'm sorry, Mr. Jobs, but you'll have to wait this time around because normally I have like all these these tech streams open and the live blogging thing just to be sure to have an article on the Westminster out right away. But um, not this time around. You guys will have to wait for a little while because I find the future of my country a little bit more important than uh, whatever the color of the next iPhone is going to be. I'm sorry. But that was yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, go on. <laughs> That's all right. No, um, the, it, it is going to be pretty much as we know, iPhone centric. Um, do we have any predictions? You think that we're going to that, that you know of what Apple is going to announce tomorrow? I mean, I can start with this. Yeah. Um, I- I have an idea. Go to www.gizmodo.com and then search for iPhone uh, 4G. That's pretty much what they're going to announce. You think they're going to actually yeah. announce the? <laughs> Well, the hardware and, and the actual release of it, and how are they going to just sort of smooth over the whole Gizmodo thing? Uh, torches, pitchforks? I don't know. I don't know. Jobs <laughs> have to make photos with Jason Chen on it. Um, um, uh, John Gruber is going to finally get his big performance that he's been hoping for all his life. Something like that. I don't know. Okay. Okay, I'm <clears throat> trying now. I was what? going to say. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, the, the, uh, well, my predictions, anyway, are going to be that, that, that Mac OS X isn't simply not going to get mentioned at all. I think it's been obvious for the last couple of years that they're basically they're done with the desktop, um, not interested in it anymore. They won't be awarding any desktop applications in their developer awards for, uh, this year, which is you know pretty shocking to say the least. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 going to come back and bite them in the behind. Oh yeah, because. You know, uh, the Mac has always been the uh, kind of the uh, at least for the past ten years, uh, probably since the iMac was released, the first iMac. It's been the, like the steady stream of revenue. Like it wasn't like the big massive revenue that you get from that they got or recognition that they got by the iPod, the iPod and the iPhone, now the iPad. But it was kind of like this thing in the background that was always slightly increasing over the past decade. And now they're focusing on, I think, a much more fickle uh, market. Right, so phones and and this what we don't know where the whole tablet thing is going yet. So it's still too new, too new to say. But you know, the, the phone market is kind of fickle. I mean, a couple of years. How long was it ago that the the, the Motorola Razor was like <laughs> the phone in the world? And now Motorola is pretty much dead in, within a couple of years. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's going to happen to the iPhone, but it could. I mean, I think the uh, and if they're going to neglect uh, Mac OS X now and, and the Mac now, it's going to come back at some point where they think, oh crap, we kind of neglected what we were supposed to be good at, and now we have to go back to that, and now, we, now we're behind, basically. We're, now we're behind Linux, now we're behind Windows. It's not the case now, but you know, in a couple of years, if they keep on neglecting um, um, their, you know, their backbone, it, you know, it's going but to... I think the, the um, Mac OS X is basically, and well, the Macs have just become, because of Apple, of this new, exciting, interesting revenue stream where Apple are placing all their interest with the iPhone and iPad, Mac the desktop itself has just become a developer tool. It's a, it's an afterthought for Apple in the sense that it's just the Apple iPhones and iPads sell Macs so that people can write software for them. That's that's you know about the long and short of it. And it'll be interesting to see if they even if they even mention Mac OS X at all during this WDC, what sort of things they have, and even if they're going to be any more features for. Um, Mac, I can't even, I'm, you know, hard pushed to think of what more features they can add to the desktop. 
um, when they've got something that's plenty good enough. Uh, Windows 7 is very tough competition, but that's mainly because of its OEM sort of position. And, um, you know, are they even interested in that fight anymore? Well, if you look at the I, uh, when they released the last version of OS X, I, th- I think that we had the commentary that there wasn't anything really new or exciting in it. It's like they threw in a whole bunch of features that were, yeah, that's kind of cool, but so? And it just might be that they're kind of in their happy place right now with Mac OS X, and they don't feel the need to really bother with making any major upgrades to it beyond patching problems. Well, that's going to present because yeah. of they're in this. Sorry, Tom, you want to go? Yeah, well, basically, that's kind of what I meant. I mean, that's, at some point, that's going to become a problem. I mean, uh, the Linux world is standing still, whether it's via Google and this whole Chrome OS thing that I think is a fad, but anyway. And, and you know, and uh, uh, of course, Microsoft hasn't been sitting still either. And if Microsoft continues the kind of um, um, improvements that they've made over the past couple of years uh, leading up to Windows 7, and if they can keep up their pace for the next version of Windows and, and, and Apple is just going to release patch after patch, then you know, they're, going to be, you know, in a, in, they're going to face a problem with that at some point. Yeah, regarding they're going to lose that. developer you can't, sit, you can't sit still. You can't sit still in this no. business. No, exactly. On, on any front. You have to, Microsoft sat still after it released Windows XP, right? Mm. And it got into some serious problems. And had to, you know, had to basically restructure how they did the entire Windows development. And it, it took, you know, Windows Vista was basically released just to have something out there. And then, you know, Windows 7 was finally what it was supposed to be. Mm. You know, so you, you, you're going to end up with problems at some point there, I think. Exactly. This is what's expected of Apple. And then if they don't, then it's going to lose developer confidence in them, which is going to affect where people are going to be spending their money when it comes to buying their next computer. Um, you know, if they don't announce a 10.7, then what? And, and then, you know, if, the, if 10.7 doesn't have the features that developers want, then what? Um, they're, they're sort of stuck in this upgrade cycle that, uh, that, that they've got to have to produce this, otherwise they're not going to sell Macs. They're hoping that the, 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 uh, the iPhone and the iPad will eventually be the reason to yeah. buy a Mac for the developer thing, of, because you have to, um, rather than wanting to buy a Mac as your, your regular desktop operating system. Now, of course, that may not entirely be true. Yeah, but- yeah, but how many people, of, of all the millions and millions of iPhones and iPads that have been sold, how many of them are actually developers? So can, you, uh, can Apple keep you know, the, the, the Mac business going as strong as it, as it has been going for the past 10 years just, by, um, um, just because of the, the iPhone developers? I don't think so. I mean, uh, how, many, how many percent of all the iPhone and iPad users are actually developers that need a Mac? I think very few in the end. There- there was right. that I mean, rumor like earlier. There was that rumor earlier about Microsoft possibly releasing an SDK that's yeah. compatible with the iPhone. I think that was killed though by Microsoft themselves. So it was a really nifty rumor. <laughs> yeah, well, if that was, that's probably not something that Apple is could afford right now. I think. I mean, it was a fun rumor, but <laughs> I don't think that would be a very wise thing to do because how many reasons would there be left then to buy a Mac? I mean, for most people, I mean. The response to Windows Seven is remarkably positive. I mean, mm. to to a level where I'm almost thinking people, you're kind of overdoing it. I mean, it's good, but it's not that good, you know. So it's kind of the exact opposite of what happened with Vista, like where everybody said it was like uh, that, that that it killed bunnies, but it wasn't as bad as people said. But the perception was that it was even worse than it already was. And <laughs> right now, it's kind of the opposite. So I mean, uh, people aren't. I don't think people are going to buy uh, uh, Macintosh machines right now. Because Windows is bad, because they're going to get Windows Vista. No, exactly. So that's enough, the but... thing: is what reason are Apple going to give people for buying a Mac um, if they're not going to be expanding on it? If they're not going to be improving the platform? If their interest lies elsewhere, which clearly seems to be the case. You know, yeah, there is so, one trend you know, in the market that we're kind of ignoring here, which is. Uh, wasn't it in Gadget recently mentioned that there was changes to the MobileMe service that might have hinted at tiered services? It could be that Apple is trying to expand their cloud service offerings so they could potentially uncouple some of their components from such a desktop-centric universe. Whether or not that would be really good for them is a good question. Ooh, they're going to have they have a major um 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 what do you call it a major um um gap to close then compared to Google and Microsoft. I mean, uh, Microsoft. Oh yeah. I'm not going to use. That's the way they really should be going with their devices, but they they haven't. 
yeah, so they've got a lot of, of, of you know, of, of things to do there. I mean, they're also building some sort of massive uh, um, um, computing center somewhere, right? Some sort of server farm somewhere. I don't know, Apple, I mean, somewhere. And I mean, that would be major catching up compared to what my, to Microsoft and Google because, you know, those two companies already have this major, um, they have their, you know, their search stuff, they have their email and, and, and all that things. And, and, okay, it's horrible, but, uh, you know, they, ha- they both have it. And Apple doesn't well, have that yet. The only big data Android, center Android announcements already that I heard. The only big data no, center announcements that I heard online, at least on Twitter, I had a search for cloud computing all week. And the only one I heard was a new uh, cloud center from Microsoft opening in Taiwan. I haven't heard anything from Apple on this. They seem no, to be generally fairly cool on the entire concept of cloud computing. And yet that seems to be the big buzzword this year. Well, Apple operate on their own schedule. They won't release something unless they think it's good enough. Um, if they are going to do any sort of web service sort of, uh, or a real push in that area, they will wait until they've got something done and ready and push it out in one go, and they'll say, we've invented this new great thing and it's available today. That's that's how Apple operates. So if they have got anything cooked up like that, I don't think we're going to see it until sort of the iPhone OS 5 sort of area. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you can't build a massive. You mean to do stuff like this that requires massive amounts of machines, right? I mean, you can't build that in secret. You can't build like a massive data center without anybody noticing. So, I mean, if they well, were to I mean, be going Apple's, that direction, Apple's privacy agreements are pretty, pretty epic. <laughs> I mean, I could possibly yeah, okay, see true. that that slipping through the cracks, especially if they're building it entirely on the Mac ecosystem that it would just be generally under the radar of what would be third-party sources if we were talking a Windows or a Linux or any of the other operating yeah, systems that are popular in the data center. Yeah, but don't you need... Yeah, but don't you need like government approval of what you're going to do? What kind of businesses you're going to set up, and what kind of you know? If you like, let's say they like want to construct a building somewhere, or want to buy a building somewhere. I mean, don't you have to? I mean, at least that's the case how it works here in the Netherlands. That you have to, you know, there's like a zoning commission and everything, like what you what you can build where, and you have to, you know, you have to tell the government nicely what you're going to do with your building, and need to have permits and all that data. It's like open, right? I mean, at least that's how it is here. I'm not sure how that is in the United States or in California. It, it but, depends, um, yeah, it depends uh, on state here. Apple are very yeah, good at this. Probably, but, I mean, yeah, they rarely but, yeah, leak also, anything through the FTC. Sorry. Yeah, but they also have to build these all around the world, right? I mean, you can't just build a massive thing in the United States and just have it sit there and do nothing. I mean, you'd have to do it. I mean, but the kind of idea that I'm getting here, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's true, but that Apple kind of bet it when they started this whole iPhone thing that they could use Google services for this. Of course, um, the relationship has soured slightly since then. But um, <laughs> could that be a possibility that they uh, kind of that, that Apple kind of betted that um, uh, they would just be using Google services for this? I mean, uh, early on, the companies were really close, as as, uh, as, as, as everyone knows. And that kind of that well, there was out another rumor also about a possible refresh of the Apple TV line. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, that's sort of proving to be a bit of a. It's I, uh, I'm sure it makes them a bit of money, and it's it's just not. But it hasn't had that same sort of smash hit as of the other products they released, and even Apple themselves in their when they released like um, version two of it in the software set and everything like that, they've always said this is a side project, as it were. It's their sort of hobby, the see if it sticks kinds of thing. The, the real passion hasn't been behind it, and I think I described it as nothing more than just a a, a, a cash for your iTunes. It, it, you know, it's there's nothing. Uh, fantastic about it, but the market's changed since then with the announcement of Google TV. Well, Google TV isn't yeah. shipping anything. Unfortunately, punditry is fantastic in its ability to to uh, acknowledge <laughs> that if someone announces something, therefore it's reality. <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah, that's true. And uh, but I mean, in the, in that case, to... Apple only needs to announce a refresh of their line. <laughs> Well, Google uh, probably not. Steve Jobs said, you know, that when he was talking at DA about this Google TV, saying that nobody wants to buy a box. I think he's actually right in that sense, and that the Apple TV always had that against itself. But Apple, um, no, that's that's not true because this that's kind of a, a U.S. centric kind of view of the world, and the Apple TV isn't doing any anything well in the rest of the world either. I mean. Uh, in this country, here in the Netherlands, we didn't have all this cable box nonsense. I mean, you just plug something in the back of your TV and everything worked. Of course, that's changed now 
with uh, uh, the last year or so that digital TV and HDTV became um, um, and widespread here. But before that, you just you know plug something in the back and you don't. And even here, you don't get a, a box. You have to pay for it. I mean, when you, you go know, to the cable operator, that and that's Google are, are, are working with Sony to produce TVs with this equipment built into it, and yeah, perhaps that's you know, the way to go. There's a possibility that that Apple will see this as as what they always wanted to do in the first place, and Apple may even get into producing TVs at some point, which seems extremely <laughs> weird. That, but... that seems really, really a stretch, even for them. I mean, I know, Apple's the pretty they... zealous about their yeah. hardware. I, know, I, I would... can't see them making a third-party agreement with a major manufacturer. No, 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 no. They would have to do themselves. it them their own way. They've got, the, they've got the panels, they can do this, but the, it's a real stretch of the imagination, even I would admit that I wouldn't bank on a, a rumour like that. But again, remember, they entered the... the, the, the um, uh, phone market and they had nothing to do with phones before that and they've just sent to tablets and they had nothing to do with it before that so you know they do this sometimes they how are you going they... to watch porn on an apple branded tv <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be slightly problematic right i'm just saying <laughs> sorry never mind my thoughts kind of wandered a little bit there go on <laughs> um no, I was going to say that basically, yes, the Apple TV being a side experiment is probably because Apple have not been able to build as of yet or uh, what they really wanted, which is perhaps a TV that has all this stuff built in. Um, what Google are doing, um, I think, is quite visionary. Uh, visionary. It um, could be successful, but ultimately it's going to depend on marketing and price. Um, uh, well, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I don't. <laughs> Well, it could be successful if they take the same approach as they did with Android. I mean, if they already got Sony on board, I mean, that's pretty big. I mean, if you can get, uh, you know, if you can get Sony and Philips and uh, well, the other large brands that make TVs these days, Sony, Philips, LG, Samsung. If you can get those brands on board, I mean, LG already makes um, 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 Android phones, so the, the relationship with Google is already pretty good. Um, um, LG already. Uh, what did you say? Samsung makes uh, the Android phones. LG already works with Google, so it's not that big of a stretch to see Google TV becoming a success. Simply because it's going to be in every TV sold within a year. It wouldn't be. I don't think that's that much of a stretch, really. So be, it, it, it could be a success. Yes, and it would be interesting how Apple, uh, Apple's approach has been different here. How the, the the Google has been about. Oh well, you know, you get your information and your content from anywhere, and Apple's has always been you get your content and information from iTunes, and that any yeah, such yeah, like Apple iTunes television, um, any sort of new version of Apple TV or any new version of, uh, or an Apple branded television itself would again would be tied to this this whole ecosystem, which I think is a huge restriction. Um, in that you know. Most people, let's, let's just face it, most people download their films and their television series, and a lot of them buy them as well. So if, if people are going to buy an Apple TV, I mean, they, they can't play the DVDs that they're buying. They can't play the stuff that they download off the Internet because everything has to go through iTunes. And iTunes selection outside of the United States, uh, video-wise, is remarkably limited and not very, you know, not, not very wide and not even very good. So it's... You know, being tied to this whole iTunes thing is a big problem, I think, for the uh, for the Apple TV. And it's kind of it, it works for the iPod and the iPhone, but it's holding stuff like that back. Mm. I mean, because you have to get all this all these this content agreements all over the world. And, you know, the United States is large, so that's relatively easy. But it's it's you know, it, I mean, how many countries do we have in Europe? Like 30, 40, 50? What was the count? I mean, so it's even getting it, you know, getting it on the ground in Europe, off the ground in Europe is really, really hard. So, you know, if, they, if they're going to keep tie this thing to iTunes, which I think they will, because it's just, it's in their nature to, to work like that. You know, it, it's never going to take off. And in that regard, Google is a lot, you know, a lot more open. Google wouldn't, is, you know, isn't going to care if you're going to download your stuff, you know, via torrents or whatever. It, especially, in, even you know, in most European countries, that's not even a problem because it's legal. So... It's, it's it's kind of weird in that sense. I don't think the uh, uh, this is an area where um, the Google TV thing has more of a shot than um, than the Apple TV for well for two reasons basically. And we mentioned both of them. Google is open between quotation marks and doesn't care what kind of content you, you play and where you get it. It doesn't really matter. And Google is completely open to working with uh, OEMs in this case, like Sony, like other TV makers, to get mm. this stuff actually out there without people having to buy an extra box. They're also going to make it available as a box, as a TV thingy that you can that you can put on your TV. But um, um, they can do both, 
and Apple can actually only do one, or as you said, start building TVs. Yes. I don't think they're going to do that. So, no. Well, this is why I'm interested in, in possibly seeing if Apple will get into the cloud system because they could decouple themselves from iTunes, which is admittedly a technology which made sense three years ago, and now it just seems increasingly less. And it all gets back to to revenue streams. I mean, how much money could they get uh, if they were to make that change? It's also just, no, I think it's company culture. Uh, They purchased Lala, which is a streaming music service, and just recently actually completely shut it down, um, you know, for for, for people who are actually using the service. And Lala promised that you would upload all your music and you would access it from wherever you could, uh, you know, you could use Flash to stream it. Um, that goes completely against what Apple are trying to do with iTunes. iTunes is all about, iTunes manages your media, it's all central, it's locked in and we want to drive you towards sales for iTunes. Lala, in a good sense, is is a good purchase because they could let you stream your iTunes from uh, anywhere, but just the the Apple aesthetic, perhaps they would they wouldn't allow you to upload anything arbitrary. It will only be the ones that you have purchased in the iTunes store because everything else could be pirate and Apple don't like that. Um, it, it just Apple are too heavy-handed with this sort of thing. I just cannot see them producing a streaming service that isn't in some way completely, you know, unrealistic of uh, how people actually access and, and get their, their their music. Yep. Pretty much. Mm. And speaking of iTunes, actually, we should cover the, um, uh, the iTunes is being looked into. Let's find that news story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's somewhere on the older page. U.S. launches antitrust yeah, probe yeah, right. into Apple's iTunes. Uh, the New York Times is reporting... Which is, like, Sorry. It's kind of a weird headline because I kind of kept on looking whether um, you should uh, whether you launch a probe into something, which was kind of weird because I, I, I t- tried to find online what the proper uh, um, 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 uh, preposition would be for launching an antitrust probe, and there's all kinds of um, 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 ways to do it. Anyway, just never mind. Just go on. Kind <laughs> 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 of you when you started uh, talking about it that I spent 15 minutes trying to find that one out. But yeah, well, go on. Uh, the New York Times is reporting that the U.S. Department of Justice is investigating Apple's tactics into the digital music market. The antitrust probe is still in the early phase and is said to be focused on the dynamics of selling music online. Um, this also actually follows um, stuff that's been done in the EU, which I really need to look up how that's been going, because in the EU, you are supposed to sell things equally across all countries in the EU, yet Apple yeah. have different pricing in pounds and in euros, and that is actually against the EU law. But as far as I'm aware, that has not been corrected yet. However, they managed to weasel their way out of it. It's not just that. It's that you uh, um, um, have to... You can't restrict access to stores to specific countries. No. So... You know, I live in the Netherlands. I should be able to buy uh, music from the British iTunes store. I would be retarded if I did so because it's much more expensive. Sorry, guys. But, you know, I, I should be able to do that, and you can't. And it's not necessarily the pricing that's the problem. It's the fact that I can't buy stuff in the iTunes music store, um, in, in foreign iTunes music stores. That, that is the problem. That is, you know, against EU law. That's not even, that's not an opinion. It's simply no, no, it's basic fact. fact. Yeah, it, it's fact. I mean, you can't go around it, but nobody has really done anything about it. And I think that's because uh, I don't know how popular iTunes really is in Europe and how large it really is uh, compared to other music stores, but especially compared to just old-fashioned, you know, buying music on an album, on a CD, the way you should buy music, in my opinion. But that's just me. I'm old-fashioned. So, you know, iTunes is really popular in, in, in the United States. I mean, I believe that if you combine uh, uh, old world sales and new world uh, sales uh, into one, it's like 26% of the market. And if you only do new world sales, it's like, I don't know, 70, 80% of the market. So it's really popular. But I don't know how popular it really is in Europe. Uh, so it might just be that it's simply not big enough to really get the attention of, uh, 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 of the European Union or the European Commission. It could mm. be. I don't know. I don't know the figures. Could well, be. It's just, don't yeah, know. and it is examples of obtuseness in this area. They should have known this from the beginning, that that's European law, but I think they've you know, expected that because it's digital, that it just, you know, the, the, the people in power have no clue about this sort of thing. It just goes straight over their heads. 
Um, and this basically yeah. saying, let's get focus back on get back into the case of the US, where this is actually dealing with. Uh, what we're talking about is antitrust in, in the sense that Apple are trying to use their weight on iTunes to prevent um, the same music being sold elsewhere or being sold for cheaper elsewhere in other stores, such as, for example, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not just the price. I mean, Which is one one good example for that is uh, the band Rammstein. You can't. You can only buy digital downloads through iTunes. You can't buy it really? through any other service. Yeah, in the U.S. you can't. I've tried, <laughs> <laughs> and I refuse no, to I, use I iTunes for this. iTunes is undeniably very big, given how many iPods are out there, and basically what what kind of market they've got access to. Um, and so, yeah, these strong arm tactics of well, we've got the best online music store. Period. You're going to, you know, you're going to follow our rules, um, and we don't want you selling your music elsewhere, or we don't want you doing it for a better deal elsewhere, because we're the, otherwise we're going to, you know, take you off, and we're not going to promote you. But that's just blatantly antitrust. Um, yeah, I will have to annotate my comment and, and that still, you still can we- buy. The, the band CDs off of other services, just not downloads. And, you know, I'm too impatient to buy the CD. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I, have, I, I have like three Rammstein CDs, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm just, I just can't see my album closet from up here. But no, yeah, but I think that over here you can probably buy it. I have no idea. I, I've never looked into digital music because I think it's stupid to buy something that you can't actually hold in your hands. But... So I wouldn't know, but it's it's kind of funny that you can only buy Rammstein um, in the iTunes Music Store. It's kind of the music that you wouldn't expect to be restricted to any store at all. So that's well, that's just funny. one but of anyways. the examples I came across. I mean, yeah. that with my music taste, at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what were, what were we talking about? I'm not really music. sure what we're specifically trying to say, other than you know perhaps Apple's uh, Apple becoming a problem here. Um, the the yeah heavy-handed, we-must-control-everything ways are beginning to start to impede upon everybody else. Uh, you know, to a point, it's choice, but then when they start affecting your ability to buy from other shops, this is you know, becoming a serious problem now. Yeah, you know, Apple is... is, is um, um, it's kind of funny. Um, there's been kind of a, um, 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 a thing going on over the weekend regarding... Um, the, the the tone of the articles on Daring Fireball that um, they had gotten over the past couple of months that uh, Gruber's articles have become become sharper and um, 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 anti Google and anti anything that isn't pro Apple and uh, what was I trying to say I was trying to go and say something yeah that basically um, people are defending yeah people are actually defending. Uh, um, Apple's behavior here because people still think that Apple is this small guy and that Microsoft is the big evil empire and um, 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 Apple is the small guy trying to you know throw stones while uh, Microsoft has nukes but the, this, it's, it's not like that anymore. I mean Apple is a really big company now and that means that they have to start looking at what they do. They can't act like they own the world anymore because te- now they actually own the world. So, you know, you have to be careful with the things that you do and the things that uh, Microsoft has been um, punished for are now starting to have, are starting to, you know, Apple is starting to do those things as well. So they're going to get punished at some point. And the, the Apple world is really um, not just not just Apple itself, but also a lot of it, you know, a lot of the more uh, hardcore fans, they just c- can't seem to grasp the fact that, you know, Apple is not some sort of holy trinity thing that does everything perfect and is trying to fight a good fight i mean they're a big company now and that means that if you have a 70 percent market share that you have to look out what you do because you're going to be on the government's radar also so well when you've got a market share like that you have to also have diversity um and the problem is apple's trying to not have diversity in uh, a market that they dominate in it's like the sort of early mac versus pc wars where you know the ibm reference platform became the number one platform because of the ability for diversity in it um and apple's trying to force this one way of doing things is not going to stretch to the whole market and I think that's why they're having problems against Android and it's why the Apple TV is just you know pathetic in comparison to yes I understand that Google TV is not being released yet but the concept 
No, no, well, not just that. I mean, you can. I mean, I I know a lot of people who use who actually use. Uh, well, a lot. That's not true. I know a number. I I know more people who use a computer connected to, a normal computer connected to their TV than they do like Apple TV like devices. So, you know, people uh, do kind of like uh, the freedom that that will give you, even if the experience isn't as good it's as you would good. get when you would use yeah, an Apple for TV. For everybody, the experience the can't be perfect because it's just not going to offer the diversity uh, that that's needed there. Yeah. So you know, uh, if, if Apple wants to, wants to, you know, if Apple has this like this seventy percent market share that that they have in uh, when it comes to iTunes in the United States, of the digital part of the market, then that means you have to play by different rules than when you have just ten percent of the market. And Apple has, you know, for a long time has been the company that always had a small market share in whatever field they were in. But that's changing now. I mean, there's still yeah. only like worldwide, like four to five percent when it comes to Macs. But when it comes to iPods and uh, phones, they're still you know the, the phone market is different. But when it comes to digital music players and uh, digital music, uh, uh, digital music like selling, it's you know they they're huge, they're big, and that means you have to play by different rules. And Apple will have to accept that, and uh, you know all the people around Apple will have to accept that whether they like it or not. It's, I mean. Really uh, Steve Jobs knows that the, the, the desktop fight is is lost, or it's not a fight to begin with. Um, you know the, the yeah. mistakes he made with the original Macintosh and losing basically first place position in the market. He wanted to be where IBM PC is now. He's lost that, and that's a fight that is literally just not worth fighting anymore. And the new focus is with the mobile space, and he wants to be the person on top. He wants to be the company that's in the place where Microsoft yeah. is. It has all the privilege. Uh, that Microsoft had when it became number one in the market to decide and dictate where everything went, and he, you know, and, and Steve Jobs is trying to get that position back, is to, to rectify yeah. that mistake with the original Macintosh. Yeah, but the problem is he's not actually rectifying the mistake. I get the feeling he's just repeating everything that they've done then, and it's going yeah. to, you know, it's 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 not going to stay this way where the iPhone is the big Kahuna out there. Uh, well, of course, you know, uh, uh, in the end, you know, Rim and Nokia are the big Kahunas, but the, the, the you know. Uh, the iPhone isn't going to stay. I mean, I've, I wrote that on OS News before, and a lot of people didn't like it. But it's—I think it's pretty much inevitable. I mean, things like Android and even uh, you know the, the the open platforms are going to be so much more successful than. Uh, it, it may take one year, two years, three years, but in the end, the iPhone will be marginalized compared to those to uh, the, the openness. Because if there are no other forces going on, a market will always strive for choice and openness. Because there are millions of people who all have their own ideas on what they want, and Apple can't. No. Right now, the iPhone is, is the, the shizzle to a lot of people. But at some point, people are going to want choice. It's always that way. If there's if, if if there are no other forces going on in the market, a market always strives for openness and choice. It's, it's as simple as that. I mean, there are always people who want to sell stuff, and there are always people who want to buy different stuff. So, you know, and you can't control something like that. You can control it when the market is young, which, in case of smartphones, it technically is. So then you, then you can then there are only relatively few players. But now, I mean, there more players are coming in, and it's it's also becoming easier to enter this market because you know uh, Google is offering pretty much an operating system that you can download, which is really really good, at least good enough. So you don't have to worry about the software part anymore. And you see a lot of new companies, companies that may have been only active in Taiwan or in Japan, and who are now also starting to try and get their stuff out there, you know, to the rest of the world. Just look at what's happening with all the tablets. I mean, most of all these Android tablets are made by companies I've never heard of before. Mm. They're not coming from HP. They're not coming from well. They're now also coming from Dell. But you know, these are, are all these small companies right now, and because the software is done, thanks to Android, everybody can start. All these companies can start pushing um, um, really good phones out there because they just, between quotation marks, have to do the hardware. So um, um, Apple is going to. It's not going to maintain this kind of growth that they've had with the iPhone. They're not going to maintain a 30% market share or a 25% market share. It's going to go down to around 10, maybe even less, if they don't, you know, start. Their well, intentions, I, you know, their, their intentions are no less than absolute dominance. Apple do not enter a market or produce a new product with anything less than the highest aspirations uh, that they that they have. Yeah. In fact, it's one of the reasons why they're successful. They do not shoot for mediocrity. Um, with the iPhone, they immediately saw a problem with the with the phone market and said, "We shall dominate this." Um, and yet now they are facing the tough competition. Um, and uh, this is the, actually what you hinted on before about Google's relationship or Apple's relationship with. 
of Google being good in the past, and now how that's how quickly that has that has suddenly changed is interesting. Apple know that there is no way they can possibly compete with Google on search. It just isn't possible. However, what Apple said in um, what was it? What video was it? Uh, the last thing uh, I can't remember now. The last video there were that, that, that Steve Jobs was talking in, and he said about uh, people don't use search; uh, they use the apps. The DA? No, it wasn't DA. This in was an actual. This must have been early in the year when they have the what's the other conference that Apple do where they announce their products and things. Uh, the last keynote, and he he was up standing oh, oh, up. Uh, yeah, Macworld. No, Macworld. the thing in January. You mean? Yes. The or, Apple or, event. Uh, whatever, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. it. I was just trying to remember when it actually was, yes. Um, and when he's standing up there and he's presenting all his slides and everything, and he was saying about people use apps now, and he was presenting a different view of of you of of the web, of the network, of uh, people don't use... He was trying to say that, 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 you know, searching through a Google and a web browser is going to become second place to his vision of doing everything through highly specialized, highly focused apps and things like doing your searching through yeah. a specific app for that particular task, like Yelp or Twitter or or whatever like that. That was his view. Yeah, but I think there's a problem with that view because it's it's. I think the only reason that many the, the whole app thing has become so important is because a lot of websites, basically every website doesn't didn't work in any way, like really easily on mobile devices. But now, a lot of mm -hmm. um, um, websites have been adapted. I mean, I, I mean I'm using, I, I use a Twitter application on my iPhone. I, I use the official, which is now called the official Twitter client. But sometimes, by pure by accident, I, I arrive at the, uh, the mobile site for Twitter, which is remarkably good. And, it, and, and when I browse through that, I'm kind of, you know, saying to myself, why the hell am I actually using this app, you know, the, the application? I, I don't really need it anymore. I mean, the same goes for, I'm not sure about Facebook, but the same goes for a lot of websites, you know, for instance, like Engadget, which has a really good mobile site, and I don't really need their app, actually. And I think the reason apps have became so prevalent is because websites like Twitter, like Facebook, just weren't accessible through the browser, but that's all going, to ch that's all, you know, that's all changing now. Right, so how important are apps, which is what what um, 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 which is kind of what um, um, Apple is betting on right now, which is, you know, uh, buy an iPhone because we have a gazillion applications. Most of them are crap, but you know we have a gazillion applications. But how important are those applications going to be? That's what's going to be things, driven you know, like, home tomorrow. Is how important those applications are. Apple are threatened yeah. by the web becoming native. The web being as good as native applications. They simply cannot have that yeah. because if that happens, then anybody can choose any handset they want, and all of the applications they've spent money on comes with them. And there's no reason to buy a Mac, and there's no reason to develop for the for the iPhone when you can use whatever operating system you want, and and whatever development tools you want to develop a web app that works on every single device. Yeah. And that's a losing strategy it's, in the long term because, I mean, that seems to be where things are going. This is why I wrote my article is because I believe that Apple are, are so diametrically opposed to that idea that the web is simply going to over overtake them and that they're going to lose their, their, their devices are going to become commoditized and, and uh, equal to all others, that Safari is going to... Apple are just simply going to veto the direction of the web in Safari. You cannot change your web browser on the iPhone, you can't change WebKit, you can't change your operating system on the iPhone, you will, you know, the web will go where we dictate it will go. Yeah, and that's <sighs> going to be problematic at some point. <laughs> I mean, it's also evident with their recently HTML5, well, in inverted commas HTML5 oh. demos, which were, you know, very Safari uh, WebKit specific, but even going as far as blocking other WebKit browsers in some instances. Um, and where all yeah, of that... Yeah, but, the, 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 no, but the demos even worked just fine in Firefox. I mean, because they also... They worked fine also in Chrome, as some of the, no, they, they the commenters pointed in, out. Once you do the yeah. user agent hack, <laughs> well, they wouldn't work yeah, fully so in Firefox because was... they didn't include um, a, a dash moz um, CSS extensions, etc. They were using WebKit specific uh, CSS extensions, which some of them there are um, Firefox alternatives um, available that do the same thing. So they could just duplicate some lines, and it would have worked the same in in Firefox as well. Well, in fact, they could even remove the the WebKit modifier, right? I mean, because the the, the blog post from from Harvard from 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 Opera details quite well that you know the the function is the same. It's just that you prefix it with WebKit instead of uh, and, and and that's how that's how Apple did it. Even though, like uh, for instance, Opera just the Opera browser just uses um, um, the same 
a function, but without... Um, That's not in all I cases, unfortunately. Um, a lot uh, of stuff hasn't a, come out um, of... Hasn't been finalized in CSS3, so there are a huge number of uh, CSS extensions that need require dash webkit, dash mols, and dash o for Opera, etc. And that still exists now. There's no avoiding that yet. But a lot of this stuff overlaps. So you know, when I'm doing uh, CSS transformations and tra uh, uh, transitions, all I do is just duplicate the the lines a couple of times and use dash webkit, dash mols, dash o, and you know it works. It's the same with box shadow, and it's with CSS transforms and transformations. But Apple have no interest whatsoever. In, in a cross-platform, you know, they have a one-browser view of the web. Yeah, there's the, the, basically they're kind of uh, Apple is a lot like Microsoft in that regard. I mean, they're trying to sell a platform. They're not trying to. They're trying to troll. You know, they're yeah. They're basically, they're, I don't know how to finish this sentence, as you can see, as you can hear. But um, they're much more like Microsoft in that regard than that they're like Google. Uh, you know, well, and Google agnostics uh, realization. The so that Google don't care what browser you use as long as you're accessing yeah. Google, and it is in Google's absolute interest that there are there's competition in browsers and and you know there's a variety in browsers so that uh, new ideas can spring up and no one vendor controls it all. Whereas for both Apple and Microsoft, their interest in browsers was merely to sell developer tools, no other reason at all. Yeah, I mean that, that's the same I think thing. we should move on. Okay, I think we should move beyond this because we've been talking about uh, Apple for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did anyone have anything specific they wanted to talk about? Was I was going no to suggest. Idea. I was going to suggest discussing Amiga if anybody did want to, because you have a few Amiga news. Uh, you've obviously got all this, this stuff recently about uh, the X1000, uh, iMica, and Aros being on an Intel platform, and uh, the release of Morphos uh, 2.5 on uh, for what did they really add it to? Oh, they added Emacs support as well. Yeah, there's um, um, regarding the X1000, um, the company behind it, um, Aeon, um, it's which, which is a British company actually. Um, the uh, one of the guys from Aeon, one of the main guys, um, um, he, he we're, we're in contact uh, via Amigo World, and he uh, is sending me. It's not here yet; hasn't arrived yet. But he has sent me a package that I'm supposed to open with my camera ready. So I have to open it. While the camera's still rolling, I'm kind of wondering what that's going to be. It, it could be a pair of socks, which is a hint <laughs> as to where the processor is but going. It's anthrax. It's a long story. Giving them a bad review. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it could be, yeah, you know, it could be anthrax. It could be incriminating evidence against me and that unicorn over there. But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's. I'm kind of really wondering what that's going to be because. Um, um, it's it's been shrouded in mystery. This whole X one thousand. It's you know they're they're, they're about to start. Uh, they're about to reveal. You know they're about to reveal all. I believe later this month, if I'm not mistaken, like 20, June twentieth or something. There's some big conference, some a uh, big Amiga conference, where they're going to you know finally announce all the details regarding this uh, device, including uh, the processor and. Um, I made a, 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 a. I said something on Amiga World that said, "If this is going, there are a lot of contestants that could be. Well, no, there are a small number of contestants um, for the processor in this device. Um, it, obviously, it's, it has to be PowerPC. It has to be uh, two gigahertz. It has to be dual core. Has to be sixty-four bit. And there are not a whole lot of choices there in this market which processor it could be. And one of the contestants uh, for a long time now has been uh, the PA6, whatever. I don't know." know the entire designation um, from PI Semi actually the company that's been bought by Apple and you know I don't I just can't believe that it's going to be um, that specific processor but it fits you know all the uh, it fits all the characteristics and uh, the, the Amiga community is pretty much you know a lot of them are saying it's going to be this thing it has to be there's no other opportunity and basically, I said, well, if it's go it's not going to be this processor, I don't know. Uh, I don't know for sure. I don't have any you know information on that. But if it if it is going to be this one, if it turns out that it is the processor from PI Semi, I'm going to eat my socks. And that kind of that uh, uh, post on Amiga World kind of stuck with people. Now they're all expecting me to eat my socks as soon as the <laughs> processor is announced, which I'm going to do by the way because I said that I, that I would videotape it. So I'm kind of wondering that when you know when. Um, 
um, when uh, the guy from from me, I'm not going to use his name because I'm not entirely sure how that works or if that's even appropriate. But um, when he said, you know, I'm going to send you a package, and all I ask is that you open it with your camera ready. So I'm kind of <laughs> wondering if that's some sort of if we're going to find a pair of socks or something in there. Which you'll find a single post-it note that has uh, hand scrawled letters. Surprise. <laughs> 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 that's yeah. it the box will be empty otherwise <laughs> yeah i'm kind of wondering i mean it, it should it, the package should probably uh, i i have thought that it would already be here but i'm not entirely sure how fast stuff gets from uh, the united kingdom to here but um so it could be early next week that it's that it arrives and uh, i'll turn it into an article which is kind of what he asked for so it's no problem uh so nice. yeah maybe it will reveal something i mean if it's if if it's indeed a pair of socks then it then it would probably mean that the uh, uh, indeed exactly. that the X one thousand is going to have that processor, so that would be interesting. Um, that regarding the X one thousand, more items. We have. Of course, the the Morpheus release, right? Uh, uh, version two point five adds Emacs support. Yes, they released the two point four earlier. Um, when was that? About October last year, and uh, that had uh, that's added support for the Mac Mini G four. Uh, this adds supports for the Emac. Uh, G4 of 1.25 gigahertz uh-huh. or 1.42, which hasn't been tested, but assumably people have been doing that now. Uh, so this gives the Amiga more options for hardware, which they have been a bit short on for for the last for couple of years. So sorry for more yeah. Sorry, I, I, Amiga-like operating systems. Yeah, or Amiga it's users, sure. we should say, because you know they're all yeah. in the same camp. They're also uh, um, um, for a long time. They're also working on uh, Power Mac support, which has probably been uh, pushed back now in favor of the Emac, which is probably easier to do because there are fewer models. I think there are fewer models uh, G4 Emac than there are models G4 Power Mac, so that's gonna make sense. So, um, 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 which is uh, interesting. They also uh, lowered the price for a while for a celebratory price, which is still uh, 111 euros. But it, it's not real. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're kind of a Amiga fan, it's not even that expensive. I mean, if you look at, like, for instance, what Ecom Station costs, it's, mm. Ecom Station is more expensive. So, you know, it's it's, which is kind of to be expected. I mean, to, writing an operating system isn't easy, and it isn't um, um, it isn't something that you just you know do out of nowhere. Which is uh, kind of what's been proven recently in the fact that there's really nothing going on when it comes to desktop operating systems, other other than the big three and a couple of small others. I mean, the Amiga operating system is also expensive. Amiga was four, and um, um, it, it's not. It's all more or less in the same price range, and people can complain about it. But you know, if you're complaining about the price, then you're just not the right person to buy this sort of stuff. You know, I mean, it'd be happy with Linux yeah. and whatever. I mean. It, if you look at Windows, it's just as expensive. Um, Mac OS X is just as expensive. So, you know, it's... Ah, I just don't like all these complaints about price. I mean, no, if you, especially if you on really, OS of all things, you should be, you know, understanding that if it's different, it's interesting. You know, it's, you shouldn't have to ask questions like, you know, what's the point of this? It's, it goes beyond that. In fact, it's, ah, it's fantastic. Anybody effort. <laughs> they get modded into the ground. I hate that. If yeah, I mean, anything, the fact that... I see that, I... Sorry. Yeah, go on. And I was going to say, if anything, it's fantastic that we have like three pieces of Amiga OS news on the homepage. It's it's astonishing that the uh, not sorry Amiga OS Amiga based news on the homepage because the, the system, the platform is still remaining, to, is still um, maintaining its relevance even even today in the wake of the like of Windows and Lafarge over you know what's the point uh, of changing your operating system? You know what we've got is already good enough, and the Amiga has managed to. Uh, it's managed to survive by sort of hedging its bets in multiple areas. You've got this Morph OS, which is an alternative to all of the legal trouble. Well, not that it isn't involved itself either, but a, a bit less uh, of the legal trouble over the official Amiga OS. And then you've got Amiga OS itself. Yeah, and you've got yeah, uh, this X1000. And um, I was going to say oh, the other of, of option as well. Oh, and Aras as well on uh, commodity uh, hardware. Uh, Aras, of course, yeah. So Morpheus West was an answer to the legal problems. Aros was an answer to the closed source issue, and the fact that you know Aros, of course, runs on um, uh, runs on uh, runs on Intel and AMD. Um, and well, the, the legal problems regarding the Amiga OS 4 have also been settled now. There's a big settlement that went down like I don't know 
uh, about a year ago, I'd say. I mean, somewhere somewhere in 2009, where basically all the legal problems are now solved. So, you know, um, Hyperion, which is the, the, the which are the developers behind Amigo 4, can finally uh, get this going and finally start doing the new hardware stuff. So, you know, it, it's it's actually a pretty healthy market. I mean, if you can sustain development of more OS, if there's, I mean, Eros is moving fast, pretty, you know, it's moving forward pretty fast, and you have this Amiga project, which is done by one guy, and uh, he's, he's you know, really moving forward with that stuff, and you have uh, you know Amigo itself and the X1000. That kind of shows that there's a pretty healthy Amiga market out there. I mean, uh, of course, it's kind of all you know uh, apparent to the past, but apparently a lot of people want that enough. Enough, enough people want that to have three different operating systems, uh, to have uh, two hardware vendors actually, yeah. because you have um, 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 the guys behind the board that I have. Um, what are they called? Um, I'm from 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 Italy. Ah, I've got their Can name. The, the guys behind the Sam, behind the Sam 440. Uh, oh God, why don't I know their name? This is really bad. Just a second. Sam 440. Uh, no, A-Cube, of course. So you have A-Cube and you have Aeon working on uh, on hardware, on you know, low-end and high-end, respectively, which is pretty cool, actually, for uh, for a small platform like the Amiga-like operating systems. I'm really happy with that. So even if um, the Amiga OS right now isn't really my thing, I think it's 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 uh, hanging on to the past just a little bit too much for my comfort. Um, but you know, it's. I'm really happy that we have these platforms out there, and that we have MorphoWest, that we have the Amiga operating system, and that we have Aros, which are all you know, kind of doing their own thing and 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 progressing. I think it's really really cool. I'm really happy with yeah, that. I mean, BOS failed, and Nike was doing well, but that's it. You know, I mean, there's not a whole lot more going on. But it's. I'm really happy that it's there. <laughs> No, it's it's um, they've managed to succeed there, and, and as I say, maintain some relevance in all of this. And we'll be you know, more than happy to always report on this. If you look at the situation with Risk OS, um, they haven't fared so well because they've had so many problems with hardware availability um, and the open source. It's not. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's very very expensive, and uh, the open source thing has progressed very slowly uh, as well. Um, and they've got their own legal complications between multiple arcs of uh, of the same operating and system. So it's just a convoluted yeah. mess as Amiga OS is, but the Amiga uh, sort of family is well, is managing to survive here. Yeah, I mean, uh, regarding Risk OS, there is no hardware currently that you can buy that runs Risk OS. Nothing is on sale right now. You have to buy old hardware, um, old ARM machines, 400 megahertz that were built five, six, seven years ago. So you know that's they're in a very dire situation. I'd say those guys, if, if there are enough of them, get your act together. I mean, both those companies, they're two companies, uh, kind of fighting over the control and kind of you know uh, targeting both directions. Yeah. Get your act together. Start working together. You know, supposedly there's going to be this whole wave of ARM. Uh, devices. Um, pick the most popular ones, import your stuff to it, and offer, you know, your operating system for sale. If you don't do that, they're going to be in. Uh, they're going to have problems. That the same kind of problems that the Amiga had for a while, where there was no hardware and you really couldn't buy anything to actually run it. I mean, uh, x86 projects don't have that problem, obviously. And uh, um, 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 uh, something like uh, 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 RiskOS does have that problem, so they should really start working on that. I mean, maybe they already are. I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm not following that really, really uh, as closely uh, as I should. Maybe. No. Okay. Uh, and also, you have. I was going to say, uh, talking about you know that the the, the difficulty often is uh, drivers, even when you are on commodity hardware. And so, for example, the the news we have here. I just reiterate this uh, about iMica. Um, is uh, one guy who's created a business that is selling these uh, small uh, net tops um, and, and, net, and net books that are going to be loaded with uh, Icarus, which is a distribution of the Aris uh, operating system. Yeah, the um, distribution, basically, yeah. Mm. And they've he's created drivers. We've got here uh, so three drivers have been uh, uh, contributed open source, and one written by the company itself. So they've now got a network driver, HD Audio Cat Weasel, which I believe isn't. Oh, I have to look into that. That's Amiga. It's Amiga hardware, and uh, an Intel GMA integrated graphics driver, which was demonstrated on video playing, you know, four different videos uh, all at the same time on you know this natty little net top netbook uh, integrated graphics. Yeah, it's so, basically you know, pretty, pretty yeah. good. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I should actually try that out because I have, basically, I have an Amiga. I have an, uh, um, 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 a dual core Atom 330 machine, which is exactly the same mm. as what what he's offering. So maybe I should try that. I, I don't. Uh, I should. I'll look into that. I should. Yeah, I'll look into that. <clears throat> Let me see. I hear mouse wheels spinning rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I keep this old five-year-old, um, probably, actually it's probably a lot older than that now, it's probably like seven-year-old Microsoft IntelliMouse Explorer 3 because the new wheels on Microsoft mice are so spongy and crap. And I like the clicky <laughs> ones that just go where you want them to. Yeah. Um, what about this Mego oh, thing? Yeah. This what? Mego. Or it used to be Moblin. Or, I, well, okay, I've draw, I'll, I'll have to draw an absolute blank on that one. Uh, Tess, um, are you have any familiarity with this? You've been able to try out Amigo yet? Uh, I think I tried an earlier build of one of its progenitors, and it was kind of interesting. It's targeted mostly towards netbook-type devices. It had an interesting concept of zones, as they called them, for managing windows by putting each individual application and all of its windows in what constitutes its own virtual desktop. Mm -hmm. So you could switch between various zones to see all of the windows at once. That was its strategy. I just don't find Mego very impressive. It just seems to, it had two different operating systems that got merged together. And while there's a lot of commonality between them, it just seems very banal, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement behind it. I'm a little bit more interested in the uh, Lenaro announcement that occurred this week. Oh, right, the consortium of uh, people, uh, of, of hardware manufacturers, contributing to ARM, uh, ARM source code and technology and resources for Linux. It's not just uh, ARM source code. It was actually a whole bunch of organizations, a lot of the big corporations, IBM, Freescale, uh, HTC, Samsung, I think HTC was in there, Sony Ericsson was in there, um, that were announcing an effort to try to create a shared code base that they could go between multiple uh, uh, Linux-based operating systems in the mobile sphere. And that's a lot more interesting because it had two different things. One, this company's entire model is not really end-user facing. It's kind of uh, an outsourced firm that all of these major organizations are going to go through in order to make their development efforts a lot easier for the hardware. And the fact that they were focusing all of this on an open source initiative was really, really kind of impressive for all these big corporations to stand by stand behind this idea. I thought that was a lot more exciting than Miko itself. <laughs> well, um, the ARM platform itself, obviously ARM the company, uh, just designed this stuff and uh, don't do any actual uh, manufacturing themselves. And then uh, companies buy up these designs, add their own bits and, 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 and get it manufactured. So ARM chips themselves very greatly and um, also depending on what's being added into the uh, system on a chip, the silicon, you know, they'll have integrated graphics, uh, radios and uh, modems and, and all other kinds of things can be integrated into the actual processor for a system on chip. Now this obviously represents a massive, uh, a huge amount of diversity for which um, you know the Linux kernel is going to have to be compatible with to, to give the best experience for Linux on these devices and to provide, provide uh, rapid uh, movement for uh, like an operating system like Android, for example, or anything which needs to move to, to new hardware. Um, so in a way, this if results come through, this could be a very good thing um, for essentially making alternative operating systems as well as uh, just sort of the spread of Linux across a, a wider diversity of, of hardware a good thing rather than, you know... The, everything being the same, just sort of all, all phones following the same pattern. Not least, I'm, I'm one... Should, of, 
And is, is, it, is it just aimed at, at mobile phones or also these mythical no, smart books? that's that what I was going to say. Yeah, actually, the, the more interesting thing being smart, do- um, smart books, net tops, uh, desktops, even servers, ARM servers. Huh, ARM servers, yeah. They, they, they said that they were going to do that, right? Yeah, yeah late, well, late um, this um, year. Um, um, let's just hope it's going to be really successful. I, I, I don't really have... Again, I'm kind of drawing a blank on the whole um, mobile Linux thing because there have been so many efforts here um, going back and forth, merging, breaking up, um, 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 you know, that I kind of lost track of what's going on. So I, I just kind of focus on a little the, the more uh, um, clearly defined mobile Linux efforts like Android, like uh, the WebOS, and I kind of... You know, draw blank when it comes to things like Migo and and Nemo and and you know the consortiums that been you know uh, behind uh, this whole ARM Linux stuff that's been going on for a while. So I don't really know what's going on there. There's also um, some movement in the Intel Morristown platform to compete with uh, ARM right now. I think there was recently a concept of a a Morristown based device, mobile device that was running World of Warcraft. That was kind yeah, of yeah, impressive to, to leverage all of that code. But the question really becomes can Intel re architect x86 code to be efficient in the mobile space? And I, I have a huge amount of doubt for that. There's so much inefficiency and weirdness in the x86 code base that I'm not sure if they'll be able to pull yeah. it off. Well, while I, well, you know, while I would really, uh, you know, while I would kind of agree with you there, I mean, at the same time, we do have to realize where x86 has come from the past 10 years, right? I mean, everybody was saying 10, 15 years ago that x86 was on its way out. It would never be competitive with PowerPC <laughs> and all the other things <laughs> were out there. And we, and we you know, kind PowerPC of... PowerPC will know, destroy so us really, all, uh, destroy everything. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, Intel really, uh, and AMD too, of course, I mean, both of them, they really, uh, um, um, I think it's kind of miraculous what they've done with the platform, right? I mean, uh, it was well, supposed to be really it, a bad. A lot of it's internal transcoding that they do to, yeah. um, oh, shoot, what's the term that I'm, I'm trying to remember? It's not microcode, it's, it's some other word that's underneath that. Ah, the term escapes. Okay. I would know. <laughs> I think I know what you're but referring it, to, yes. kind of like Morse code. <laughs> yes. Well, well what, happens that, uh, what happens in the CPU architecture for modern x86 is they don't process it like a traditional CISC processor anymore. I mean, that concept has been dead for years now. Instead, yeah. they transcode all of the individual, uh, all the individual instructions into smaller, more streamlined instructions that they can execute in parallel. You could say that it's kind of like converting CISC to RISC in hardware at runtime, but it's not exactly that, but it, it's a good enough explanation for the layman, I suppose. The problem Intel hardware has with getting adoption elsewhere, uh, talking about x86 specifically, really, is compatibility. Um, you know... It, it, the modern x86 designs with this sort of central risk architecture with the, the sort of CISC transcoding bolted onto it is for the benefit of trying to run old x86 applications. If you were to get rid of that compatibility, there's no reason you couldn't have a very small risk x86 chip that would be efficient, but you'd have to, everything has to be retooled. So this is where it's probably better for the uh, mobile phone space and, and, and mobile space because you're, because of operating system cleanliness. You, you could, um, have a a risk uh, a risk x86 chip that's extremely power efficient, and all you would need to do is contribute to the Intel compiler or GCC to be able to get to uh, you know to get Android to compile onto that, and therefore you know and there you go you've got portability and uh, you've got a, a, a low power efficiency thing. It's this constant backwards compatibility with Microsoft Windows and old x86 binaries that is the real Achilles heel here that they're having to fight against. Well, I, 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 I keep having to point out here that that's all end-user concerns, and where's the majority of the power consumption for computing technology in the world? It's in the data centers, and that's why we, are, we have to be more concerned about where, what platform they're running, and right now, x86 is the big hot thing for data centers because virtualization has really taken off, and you're able to stack and 
uh, so many different operating systems on one piece of hardware and spread out all of that processing. The idea that we could, uh, we could start moving towards ARM-based servers or any other operating system-based, uh, I mean, architecture-based servers would require retooling some of the fundamental components we see in the data center. And until I see an application server that's been cross-compiled for ARM that can run Java bytecode natively, I mean, that would be really nifty, but... I haven't seen that yet, and that's where we would probably see a huge switch in the architecture away from x86, and I don't think that's going to come for another five or six years, if ever. Yeah, in the um, supercomputing list, uh, the switch to Intel has been pretty dramatic, um, and it just absolutely dominates that space, as does Linux as well, interestingly. Um and there's no real reason to see that to go away in in the power space because the the sort of cheapness and commodity of, of Intel hardware being available to to throw together to create a supercomputer is very effective there. And, and it seems completely – it's very odd to think of an ARM server or even there being any demand for an ARM server. But indeed, there are other problems that have to be solved. And the sort of power-to-watt ratio is just simply no comparison. Uh, and with all the green agenda, um, I, I think ARM have got themselves uh, – may have a success with this. But it may not really show up on the radar, radar because of – the uh, sort of dominance of Intel in the power area, rather than uh, a focus on other areas of computing where an ARM, you know, chip is going to suffice. Well, if you if you want to talk about who actually dominates and the power to, to processing speed ratio, you might as well look at Big Iron because that's the one that's still kicking the most butt. <laughs> I mean, they still they still have uh, OS three ninety architecture out there. They're still making new servers for them, and they're selling a lot more, a lot faster. <laughs> uh, Tom, you still alive? Haven't fallen asleep yet? Well, the, the problem is that the sound connection is really bad right now. Oh, I, I get you guys elongated and stretched out, so it's, it's I'm trying to follow everything, but it's slightly difficult. <laughs> okay. Actually, we well, hear you we all clear. The, hmm. I think we hit the hour mark, so we might as well wrap up. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Right, yo. Uh, nope, nothing else to cover. We're trying to uh, force together. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's too hot. It's horrible here. I got the window closed, and my <laughs> yeah, computer is cooking itself. <laughs> Right. Okay. okay. Feedback. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And um, feedback, you can, of course, as always, email us at uh, crew at osnews.com and comment on the website once this uh, this is published, uh, osnews.com. You better fill us in if we've forgotten anything or we made some grave mistakes. Um, and as always, thank you very much, Tom and uh, Tess, for uh, joining the show. No problem. No problem. That's great. And uh, we'll see you whenever there's a next time. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. See ya.